0: Chinese spies, disguised as tourists, have reportedly tried to infiltrate American military bases as many as 100 times. Washington is on high alert, now sounding the alarm over potential espionage threats, as lawmakers raise grave concerns. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. How exactly does China spy on America, and what disguises do they use to conceal it? Welcome to China In Focus, I'm Tiffany Meyer. Chinese nationals, sometimes posing as tourists, have reportedly accessed military bases and other sensitive sites in the U.S. up to a hundred times in recent years. They've been dubbed gate crashers because of their attempts to enter without authorization. Entities Jeremy Sandberg has more on what officials call potential espionage threats.
1: The Wall Street Journal citing anonymous U.S. officials reported that the FBI, Defense Department, and other agencies held a review last year to try to limit the incidents. Gate crashers ranged from Chinese nationals found crossing into a U.S. missile range in New Mexico to scuba divers swimming in murky waters near a U.S. government rocket launch site in Florida in the close to 100 incidents tracked. Officials say the tactics appear to be aimed at testing security protocols at U.S. military installations in other federal locations. The incidents that occur in rural areas with little tourism typically involved Chinese nationals who officials say are pressed into service and required to report back to the Chinese regime. Concerns over CCP espionage are high after a Chinese spy balloon crossed the U.S. before being shot down earlier this year. The Chinese government conducts uh, significant espionage activities inside the United States already for a number of years whether it's the coercion of a number of Chinese students in colleges in the United States, whether it's spy balloons that we allow to fly over the United States, and frankly, even satellites in outer space that are constantly monitoring the U.S. Representative Jason Crow, a member of the House Intelligence Committee, says Congress is considering legislation on the issue. That's over fears the growing number of gate crashers could go unnoticed or be understated, as most trespassing laws are at state and local levels, not federal. Officials familiar with the incident say many of the trespassers are only detained briefly, then escorted out of the U.S. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
0: Here's a recent example of these gate crashers at work. Zooming in on Alaska, where in May, a vehicle full of Chinese nationals was stopped while trying to enter a U.S. military base. A drone was found inside. Some of the Pentagon's most confidential military technology and cutting-edge war strategies are displayed inside this base. A new investigation every 12 hours – that's the rate of Chinese spying in the U.S., estimated by FBI Director Christopher Wray. The agency says China-linked espionage cases have increased by 1,300 percent over the past decade.
1: We consistently see that it's the Chinese government that poses the biggest long-term threat to our economic and national security.
0: Ray says Beijing uses every tool at its disposal to gain a strategic advantage over the U.S. That's including covert theft, forced technology transfers, research exploitation, and cyber hacks.
1: The Chinese government sees cyber as the pathway to cheat and steal on a massive scale.
0: So how much of a threat is this? Here's a look at China's history of spying in the U.S. First, Microsoft revealed a big security intrusion by Chinese cyber spies in July. They hacked into email accounts of 25 organizations and a group of U.S. officials, including Commerce Department Secretary Gina Raimondo. Chinese cyber espionage expert James Andrew Lewis describes the current situation as a cyber crisis.
2: People who think we can be friends with China really need to take a deep breath, though, because the Chinese are the most... Um, aggressive espionage agency in the world.
0: And the world's largest professional networking platform, LinkedIn, has reportedly become Beijing's go-to tool for recruiting spies. Targets include former U.S. government officials. They will know your interests, your behavior, your geolocation, and they will start
3: regurgitating back to you to shape your behavior.
0: What's more, earlier last month, two U.S. Navy sailors were arrested on charges of selling sensitive military secrets to China.
1: The charges demonstrate the PRC's determination to obtain information that is critical to our national defense by any means, so it could be used to their advantage.
0: In both cases, Beijing directed the Navy sailors to hide their conspiracy and destroy evidence of the schemes. Beyond the military, Chinese agents also spied on U.S. trade secrets. Last year, a U.S. court sentenced Chinese Ministry of State Security Officer Xi Yanjun to 20 years in prison. He is the first Chinese intelligence agent ever to be extradited to the U.S. after he allegedly targeted employees at icons of the U.S. aerospace industry, including GE, Boeing and Honeywell. And in May, two Chinese agents were charged with bribery directed by Beijing on U.S. soil. They tried to carry out China's aim of, quote, toppling the Falun Gong by trying to bribe an undercover officer who they thought was an IRS agent to revoke federal tax exemptions for a Falun Gong entity. Falun Gong is a meditation practice based on the principles of truthfulness, compassion and tolerance. It's banned in China and has faced a brutal persecution campaign driven by Beijing since 1999. On top of spy agents, Beijing is also eyeing a spy base. According to a report from The Wall Street Journal, in June, China and Cuba have reached a secret agreement for China to set up a military training facility there. Officials warn that could give Beijing the chance to station troops there and tap electronic communications from the U.S. The White House revealed multiple Chinese intel gathering sites have operated since at least 2019 in Cuba, just a hundred miles from Florida. In the interview with CNN Politics, U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo zeroed in on a recent espionage campaign when Chinese hackers accessed a group of U.S. senior officials' emails, including hers. As it relates to the hack, I I brought it up. I said, you know, we, we know what's going on that erodes trust. She said she spoke to Chinese officials about the matter. And let them know that it's hard to build trust when you have actions like that. Hundreds of thousands of official U.S. emails were compromised. Senior diplomats that play critical roles in U.S.-China ties also ended up on the hackers' radar. Among them, U.S. Ambassador to China Nicholas Burns and the Assistant Secretary of State for East Asia Daniel Crittenbrink. A CNN report said their inboxes might have given Beijing insight into Washington's strategy for a string of planned China trips, including by U.S. Secretary of State Blinken.
3: So anything that can be hacked, will be hacked. Beyond that,
0: U.S. lawmakers are speaking out about similar hacks. Congressman Don Bacon posted on his social media that he was informed by the FBI that his personal and campaign emails have been hacked over the course of a month this year. He's a vocal supporter of Taiwan and a critic of the Chinese regime. The Chinese hack was first discovered in June, around the time Blinken visited China masters of disguise from business suits to tourist sportswear china's covert agents are hiding in plain sight what tactics do they have in their arsenal and how do they blend seamlessly into the fabric of american society one of them took the form of a so-called police station in april the fbi arrested two people for operating a secret police station on behalf of the chinese regime in the heart of manhattan
2: the secret police station appears to have had a more sinister use
0: the justice department called the outpost transnational repression by adversaries such as china with the goal of intimidating political opponents living in the united states
2: two miles from our office just across the brooklyn bridge this nondescript office building in the heart of bustling chinatown in lower manhattan has a dark secret until several months ago An entire floor of this building hosted an undeclared police station of the Chinese National Police. Now, just imagine the NYPD opening an undeclared secret police station in Beijing. It would be unthinkable.
0: But that's just the tip of a global iceberg of Beijing's overseas operations. The New York Post recently reported that aside from New York, there are six more Chinese police stations operating in the U.S. They're based in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Houston, Nebraska, and Minnesota. Safeguard defenders noting there are over a hundred of these Chinese overseas stations in 53 countries. Zooming in on another disguise, reporters turned to spies. That's according to Chen Kai, an insider who used to work as a reporter for the Chinese regime's state newspaper, The People's Daily. He previously told NTD that a significant number of Chinese state media reporters working outside China are spying for Beijing.
2: Reporters sent abroad are mainly from Xinhua news agency, People's Daily. A considerable part of their task is actually doing intelligence work for the CCP.
0: Cheng says that a lot of state media reporters work under Beijing's intelligence departments.
2: Chinese intelligence units are heavily engaged in activities outside the country as reporters for People's Daily or Xinhua News Agency. If you see a reporter from People's Daily or Xinhua News Agency, if they approach you, you have to wonder whether they are an intelligence officer. So Chinese media, media outlets under the leadership of the party, they are not purely media outlets.
0: What's more, another Chinese espionage method happens on college campuses and gets touted as a cultural exchange. They're called Confucius Institutes. Funded by Beijing, they're known to push Chinese state propaganda to project soft power in the U.S. They're also central to helping the regime steal American technology and research. The FBI says China steals up to $600 billion worth of U.S. intellectual property every year. New details on a battery maker that's unnerving residents in Michigan. Called Goshen, the firm is set to build a lithium-ion battery plant in the Wolverine State. But how much communist influence does the company carry? A new
4: report is shedding light on the concern. and NTD's Juliet Song brings us more. Over $170 million in taxpayer funding. That's how much Michigan is handing out to a battery maker called Goshen. The funding will help Goshen build a lithium-ion battery plant, critical for making electric cars. But there are concerns about Goshen's China ties. Now, new details reveal that Goshen's parent company in China has a Communist Party committee operating inside it. The parent company also hired over 900 Communist Party members, including its CEO. The Chinese parent company has full control over Goshen. The information comes from a corporate report released by Goshen's Chinese parent company last year. It was first uncovered by news outlet The Daily Caller. What's more, the report said its Communist Party committee directed all members to watch Beijing's 20th National Congress last year and study the communist leader's speeches. Michigan locals have staged protests against Goshen's new plant. A resident voiced her concerns in an earlier interview. I don't think that we need to bring that in, invite that in, give them tax incentives to come over here when we're essentially fighting a battle with with China on many different levels. so I don't understand why we are um, bolstering up our enemies, uh, so to speak, instead of choosing a company that would better America that would um, help our citizens and hold true to our values. Lawmakers have also expressed concerns about the plant site of Goshen's factory. It's just 100 miles from Camp Grayling, the largest U.S. National Guard training facility. Juliet Song, NTD News. China's COVID-19
0: death rate is back on the rise. Disease control agencies warn the virus is holding its dominance, with many citizens getting infected for a third time.
2: Let's take a closer look. A COVID-19 variant called EG5 is spreading across parts of China.
4: Recently, many people are infected for the third time, the third wave. So when you go to the hospital or to a crowded place, I
2: recommend you wear a mask. In the past two months, virus-related deaths have also seen a jump. It's led to speculation about who is most at risk. I have several friends got infected by COVID-19 for a third time, both older and younger people. And the virus targets all ages all the same. A lot of people, like me, think this stuff, COVID-19, is getting lighter and lighter. But it doesn't seem to be the case. Notable infection cases have included Communist Party members, including high-profile officials, executives, elite scholars and judicial officers. According to public sources, over a dozen professors from well-known universities in Beijing died of the virus within a span of just two weeks. Most of them were described as elite Communist Party members in their obituaries. The variant is also threatening the country's law enforcement bureaus. At least two dozen police officers died in August. Many were middle-aged, with the youngest just 23 years old. The majority were chiefs of police. The reports follow a statement about the pandemic from the founder of Falun Gong, Mr. Li Hongzhu. He told the Epic Times in 2020, A pandemic like the current CCP virus, Wuhan pneumonia, has come with a purpose and with a target. It has come to eliminate the followers of the evil party and those who go along with the evil CCP. The term CCP virus refers to the infection that causes COVID-19. Falun Gong, also known as Falun Dafa, is a discipline rooted in traditional Chinese beliefs and teaches the principles of truthfulness, compassion and forbearance. Now
0: we move to North Korea. The U.S. says North Korean leader Kim Jong-un expects to meet with President Putin in Russia. The goal to advance arms negotiations. National Security Council spokesperson Adrian Watson did not say when a potential meeting between Kim and Putin might take place, but it would follow a visit to North Korea in July by Russia's defense minister. U.S. officials said last week the two countries are advancing weapons talks that could see North Korea providing arms to support Russia's war in Ukraine. The timing of the potential meeting is unclear. The New York Times first reported on it, saying it's expected to take place this month. Coming up, is China losing its influence over Eastern Europe? A brief 15-minute phone conversation seemingly at the root of deteriorating EU-China relations as Taiwan steps in to fill the gap. How did the Czech Republic become one of the island's closest European allies? And what does the shift mean for China's influence in a region that was once under Beijing's spell? We sat down with Antonio Graceffo, China economic analyst, for details. More on that after the break here on China In Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. From Lithuania to the Czech Republic, Eastern Europe appears to be rethinking ties to China. Why is Beijing's influence shrinking in a region that was once spellbound by China's economic rise? And how will its growing recognition of Taiwan challenge the status quo within the European Union? We speak to Antonio Grisefo, China economic analyst for more. Antonio Grisefo, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show.
3: I see you, Tiffany.
0: And when it comes to Lithuania and the Czech Republic, why do you think they're increasing their recognition of Taiwan and kind of breaking away from the status quo of the EU?
3: These countries know totalitarianism. They hate it. They really hate communism, but they really hate totalitarianism in general. And I think particularly the smaller countries have probably, more of a feeling maybe of insecurity if if that's quite the right word but certainly they get more upset about totalitarianism and i saw them turning against china you know four years even before covid um there was already starting to be a turning of these smaller central and eastern european countries against china now what i think has happened since the ukraine war happened was that these countries are particularly concerned about russian expansion then we have china supporting Russia. And this single uh, dynamic between China and Russia has done so much to turn the EU and NATO against China, and that particularly these smaller countries that they're like, look, we don't want to get eaten up by Russia. We already didn't like China. And now we like China even less because China is supporting Russia.
0: And Antonio, you mentioned earlier how in terms of Lithuania being friends or almost partners with Taiwan, it angered Beijing, and it seems in terms of the Czech Republic, China had quite an aggressive response there, too, in about 2019 when uh, the Czech Republic was trying to separate from Huawei, so China was threatening litigation. When it comes to these smaller countries, why is what they do such a threat to someone as big as Communist China?
3: I think China just hates that anybody would turn on them. and what what I believe is that smaller countries sometimes are a bit more nimble. It's a little easier for the President or the Prime Minister of one of these smaller nations to just just make a decree and 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 make it happen. And um so I think it's a little harder for a big country like France or Germany to change their their foreign relations or to change their foreign policy. I think it's, it's much more complicated. They have a lot more responsibility in the world in, in the U, in the UN, in um, you know in NATO, in the in the various organizations. So I think that in some ways the smaller countries are a little bit more agile. and so it was easier for the leaders you know in Czechoslovakia or in Lithuania to say, okay, we're going to turn away from from China and then China got really angry. The other thing that's interesting is that these countries are not terribly dependent on China. They have trade with China, they have some investment from China, but when you look at the numbers, it's really not that much.
0: Lately in terms of China's economy, there's a lot of troubling numbers coming out. There's deflation, high youth unemployment, the currency is going down, manufacturing is down, all these different signs. Do you see that changing at all or what's your take on the relationship there?
3: When China doesn't have money it will it will lose its friends we're already seeing that the whole world was or much of the world was much in support of the Belt and Road Initiative when it first started now that the Belt and Road Initiative uh, projects are all going bankrupt and China has less money to throw around and and to give to people uh, people are souring on the Belt and Road and um, the same thing is true of of any sort of support of China that that if, if there's no economic benefit well, then people aren't going to side with China. If we look at the recent um, the BRICS expansion, China's pushing for a BRICS expansion. China's the only member that's really pushing for that. You know, India and the other members, they're saying, hey, look, this is an exclusive club. If we let everybody in, it's no longer, you know, uh, exclusive. It's So, no, you know, what's the point? And China is offering, you know, access to the BRICS bank. If people, oh, if you join the BRICS, you can borrow from the BRICS bank. So money is always at the root of China's diplomacy. And now China is going to have a lot less money to spend or to give away. And this is going to mean that China will lose a lot of its diplomatic support.
0: And on that note it seems with the eu starting it now there's this trend of de-risking not decoupling with china so we do seem to be dancing around that but what's your take on why maybe we're doing that
3: i almost have not been this happy with foreign policy in a very long time both of of the u.s and 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 eu and the way they're aligning with the g7 as well and japan and so forth but uh i think de-risking is the right thing i think um, we we don't want to say to beijing well we're completely decoupling We're gonna close all of our companies. We're gonna pull out our investments. Uh, We're gonna close our, you don't want to do that. We don't want to turn China into the world's biggest North Korea. Uh, I'd like to turn China into the world's biggest Mexico maybe. But uh, I think that de-risking is a way of slowly, steadily uh, shifting out of China.
0: And given all of that, where do you see the US-China relationship going from here?
3: I think that it's just going to worsen and worsen. I think that, and and it should, and and I know that sounds odd, but if we're to be honest, how can you have good relations with your enemy? How can you have marginal relations and scientific exchange for the country that steals your IP that has spies in your country that uh, is threatening you uh, uh, militarily, economically, that that has a stated and published goal to surpass the United States by the year 2050. By the year 2050, they want to surpass us economically, militarily, and diplomatically. How in the world can you have a good relationship with that person? You know, it would be like me saying to you, Tiffany, I'm not going to kill you for like 10 years, so until then, could we be friends?
0: Well, Antonio Grisevo, thank you so much for your time.
3: It was nice to see you, Tiffany.
0: That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at ChinaInFocusNTD.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.